fucked up. Thank you. Um, just to uh, warn you from the very onset, I have no idea where this morning's preach is going to go. Um, but we can trust that God will do something exciting. How about that? Great. Let's pray together. I just would want us to just pause um, for just a couple of seconds and in God's presence, just, just be expectant. Just be still in his presence. I call out to you again and again. I call out to you again and again. You are my rock in times of trouble. You lift me So, Lord, we want to re-echo that this morning. All through the storm, your love remains the anchor that we hold on to. Thank you so very much for who we are in you. Thank you for the many promises we have in you. Thank you, Father, for the life you call us to, to keep in step with your spirit. I want to ask help again this morning as I serve your church. I pray, Father, for just your power and your presence. I pray, Father, that you would watch over your word. I pray, Father God, for open hearts and just a real reception, Father, to all that you've got for us uh, this morning. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love that you love us. And so would you come and bless this time again together. In your name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. So my name is Sam. I'm, I'm one of the pastors here. Just a real uh, privilege to get to speak to you uh, this morning. I'm going to be speaking to us on the subject or something I'm calling the encounter. And basically uh, for me for the last couple of weeks... Um, I, I've been thinking, I mean, as we enter the hunger season, I've basically been thinking, God, what, what are you seeking to do um, amongst us? But I think for me, one thing in particular that has been on my heart has been this. When we ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill us, when we ask for the presence of God to come and effectively move in power in this place, are we just longing for some nice feelings or beyond those nice feelings, which are good, beyond those feelings, we actually are hoping that God will work in us and equip us so we can function as we step out there. And I felt God uh, just highlight for me the truth in the fact that 
when he comes amongst us, it is not just for nice feelings sake. It is so that he will equip us. It is so that he will enable us to be able to function as he wants us to. For one another, but also for the communities uh, that we, we live in. Uh, my wife and I have two sons. Uh, our eldest is uh, four going on five. He turns five in July. And uh, we, we, we do well to read them exciting Bible stories. So at the minute, I think two of their favorite stories. One, Jesus dying on the cross. And then a close favorite is Elijah asking for fire from heaven. And so recently we were speaking to them. And then we basically said, all right, it was time to go to sleep. And so they laid down. And our eldest, while, while lying in his bed, turns around and he says, he looks at the ceiling and he says, Jesus, send fire from heaven. At this point, I turn around and I said, Jody, maybe that's really not a good idea. Not, <laughs> not now. But obviously, there was no fire. And then he turns around and he says, oh, mommy, Jesus didn't send any fire. I thought, great, you bet he didn't. We don't really want any fire in here now. But it was just there, the simplicity of children and the fact that they take God's word as it is. And they ask God. And I think as adults... We can learn something from there. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to please stand with me to Genesis and to chapter 32. Genesis and to chapter 32. An exciting uh, story in there. I want you to imagine for a minute that you're running away from somebody who wants you dead. So basically somebody wants to kill you. And so you're running in that direction because the person who wants to kill you is actually here. All right. They want to kill you. You manage to make your escape, and you're running in that direction. Then as you get here, God encounters you, and then God actually says to you, go back there. Remember, somebody is trying to effectively end your life. You just manage to escape. And then you're running, you're running, and then you encounter God, and God says, actually, go back there. Now, to be very honest with you, I'll turn around to God and say, not a chance. I am not doing anything like that. Somebody there wants me dead. I am definitely not going back in there. But we find in today's story a man called Jacob. In fact, he's quite a notorious character. But we learn so much from his story. So obviously, he had been running from his brother because he'd managed to trick his brother. He'd run away many years. He'd gone to live with his uncle in another part of the country many years. One time, God encounters him and God says, actually, go back to the land of your fathers. Go back there. And so, obviously, Jacob, nothing like me, he says, all right, God, I'm going to do that. And so he's getting himself ready to go back to this land. But remember, older brother is waiting to pounce on him. I don't think he's forgotten. Or certainly at this time, Jacob is, is thinking, my older brother still wants me dead. And so he gets himself ready. He gets together his family, his wives, his servants, the flocks, the heads. And they are getting themselves ready for this journey. And as they travel, he thinks, actually... Maybe I should send ahead some messengers to just go spy the land and just gauge things a bit and see where my brother Esau is at. So he manages to send some messengers ahead. These messengers come back with some pretty exciting news. They say to Jacob, actually, we saw your brother and he's coming this way. Not just that, 
but he's coming with 400 men. At this point, the Bible says, Jacob was afraid and distressed. You bet he will be. This is a man he had tricked. This is a man who wanted him dead. The Bible says he was afraid and distressed. Along the journey, they get to this place called Jabbok. And then Jacob turns around and he says, all right, my wives, you go ahead. Children, go ahead. Flock, go ahead. Heads, go ahead. I I need some time on my own. So this is where we pick up the story from Genesis chapter 32 from verse 22. It says, the same night, he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. Verse 24. Take note of this. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. Verse 31. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. In this encounter, Between Jacob and I'll I'll call the character the man. Obviously, we know it was a manifestation of God. But in this encounter with the man, I believe three things happened to Jacob in this encounter. And as I, I sat down to prepare, I felt that God highlighted these things for me. That actually when we gather whether like this in a connect group context, one-on-one with God, he, he seeks to do these things amongst us. Sometimes he brings a reminder of these things to us. So we find the first thing we discover in this passage was the fact that Jacob was deliberate about making time alone. So it says, the Bible says to us in verse 22, he sends family away and then he he makes time alone with God. There was a, a deliberate act of creating time alone with God. He needed that time. And so, therefore, all other distractions had to effectively go out of the way. And I, I dare say that sometimes it's okay to say to the kids, I, I need a bit of a break now. Because I need some time with God. Because, you know, in those moments, God gives you wisdom so you can lead your kids and lead your family. I know that oftentimes, I, 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 in the mornings, my house is very, 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 very busy. 
It's hard in those moments to suddenly grab my Bible, no matter how spiritual you are, to suddenly take your Bible and say, okay, bye-bye, wife and sons, I'm going to have my quiet time. It's in those moments I want to help my wife get the boys dressed, so that is actually not a good time. However, on my way to work, I cut through the woods, and I often have a good 15 minutes through the woods. I am deliberate about that. Occasionally, I'll meet a dog walker. Hello, hello. But it's just that. And in those 15 minutes, it's actually my window of opportunity. I am very deliberate. Once I step into the woods, I'm saying, God, I want to hear you speak to me. It's my time with God. I fight for it. I am very, very, very deliberate about it. I have also discovered that because the mornings are not good for me, once our boys are up, there's not a chance because they, our boys, they are so boisterous. They get that from their mom anyway. They never stop. She's not here, so I can say that. They, they never stop. And once the day starts, there's just, there's nothing like spare time. And so again at night, when they go to sleep, I'm thinking, great time. I will make the most of this and engage with my God. He made time for God. He was deliberate. And once he created that time, that opportunity, guess what? A man comes. The Bible just calls him a man. Now, when I, when I read this passage, one huge question was, why did the man wrestle with Jacob? I mean, why? He could have just stood from a distance. Hello, Jacob. The Lord bless you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord give you. He could have. Why did. Why would he come. Come on Nick. Do you want to come up. We need to demonstrate this please. I just, you, you are not allowed to push me or anything. Alright. And you, you have to also make me win the battle. Alright. Yeah. Once we agree on that. That's fine. You, you need to. Uh, just, just, just hold that arm. Yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. Maybe not. Just like that. And then you go this way. We haven't yet practiced, so we're just trying to make it. Yeah. And basically, they are engaged in this wrestle. Clearly, Nick is stronger than I am. However, you have to make me win this one, all right? So they are, they are, in, this, they are in this wrestle, all right? And it's interesting because I ask myself, but, but why that? What was the whole point of that? Thank you very much, Nick. I won that one. Thank you, Nick. What was the whole point of that? wrestle because God could have done anything. Uh, to be very honest with you, I mean the Bible is very silent about that and so I will not want to build any doctrine out of silence because the Bible is the Bible doesn't tell us why the man came and, and, and uh, wrestled Jacob. But I kind of I thought actually if you wrestle somebody there's a few things involved and so for instance you, you, you have to touch the person, don't you? Touch. You touch the person. You don't wrestle somebody, he stands there, and then you do this. And no, no, no. You, there's, there's, there's touching, but you, you hold the person. So I thought maybe, maybe God wanted some kind of contact. And so, therefore, that. The other thing about, about wrestling is the fact that oftentimes somebody has got to win. I mean, in this case, the Bible says that Jacob prevailed. We all know that God could have won easily, but God allowed that to happen. I feel that in moments of, say, prevailing prayer, 
God draws us in. He wants our full participation. In moments of encounter, God wants to touch us. In moments of encounter, God, God wants us involved with him. He wants us connecting with him. And, and God is so gracious. Many, many, many times he gives us victory upon victory upon. So many of you seated here would know times when you pushed and pressed and prevailed in prayer and God came through for you. I mean, recently my family has been, I mean, our faith has been stretched. It's been an exciting journey, but God has stretched us. And sometimes we get there and we think, well, God, we know you're going to do it anyway. Please just do it. God says, no, a bit more. And my wife and I are getting really frustrated. God says, no, 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 a bit more. And he's stretching. But you see, the thing this stretching does to you is it actually makes you stronger. And you can in turn encourage other people. Eventually, God came through and God has such an amazing sense of humor. We went back still last week and somebody was praying with my wife. I can't reveal all the details as yet, but very soon it will be. Somebody was praying with my wife. Three key things or three major things that we have been effectively carrying in our hearts. This person prays with my wife and she tells my wife, one, two, three, all the three things. And at this point, my wife and I are sitting in the car, we're thinking, God, you have such a great sense of humor. These were things that we were grappling with, but I felt God was wanting us to know, look, I've got your backs. You don't have to. They were the three key things in this season of our lives. In fact, maybe I'll call them our faith projects. God spoke into the situation to help us see, I've got your backs. The first thing that happened was the fact that he made time. And then he gets involved in this wrestle. The next thing we discover is this, this, this man touches him on the hip. And in the past, when I've read the story... It's interesting because I, I, I often felt that the touching of the hip happened at the end of the, of the battle or the wrestle. But actually, it was from the very onset. He touches him from the very, very, very beginning. He touches his hip socket. And so at this point, Jacob is probably in pain. But guess what? Does he let go? No. He says, I am not letting you go until you bless me. Even after the man had touched his hip socket. Eventually, the man blesses him. But at the end, Jacob comes through a completely different person. And three things we discover in this story. The first thing is this. That God gave him a new name. The man said to him, you are Jacob. You would no longer be called Jacob. Your name will now be Israel because you have striven with God and you have prevailed. On the other end of the wrestle, he was a man with a new name. Now, names are, are important things. They're key parts of identity. Sunday, when, oftentimes when you meet people, the first thing you say is you tell them your name. When you introduce yourself, your name. When they ask you to present some kind of identification, oftentimes it would have something with your name. I have eight names, okay? You didn't know that. So, there's Samuel. <coughs> there's Isoya, which basically means joy. You're not allowed to call me that, though. 
There's Isoya, which means joy. There's Kalai, which means the last born. There's Kweku, which basically means I was born on a Wednesday. There's Mensan, which means that I'm a third boy. There's Madonna, not Madonna. Madonna, which basically means has no rivals. And then, obviously, there's my, my nickname, which is Kiki. And then finally, there's my surname. So eight names. They all, one way and the other, say something about my identity. Now, with, with this man, Jacob, Jacob means one who clings to the heel or one who cheats. And it's interesting because his name had defined him. It had become his identity, more or less. He cheats his brother out of his birthright. Interesting, he grew up in a very dysfunctional family. One parent loves one child, the other parent loves the other one. It must have been really, really, really difficult. And eventually he ends up as a man on the run. But the reason why he was on the run was because he had done something terrible. And these acts had effectively shaped his identity. The Bible says to us, he was a man who was afraid and distressed. What is our place as children of God? Us. The Bible says to us, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Brothers and sisters, we have a new identity in Christ. We have a new name in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. Listen, church, we are those who are accepted in Christ Jesus. If you have a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to hear this. You are a child of God. You are Christ's friend. You have been justified. You have been united with Christ. You are a saint or somebody who is holy. You have been adopted as God's child. You have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. You have been redeemed and forgiving of all your sins. You are complete in Christ. You also are free from condemnation. I love this. We have a new name. Children of God, those who are accepted, forgiving, loved. We have a new name. Those who no longer stand condemned, we have a new name. We are the saints of God, the holy ones of God. We have a new name. And that new name is because of none other than Jesus. Jesus made that possible on the cross. Jacob came through with a new name. We have come through Christ with a new name. Secondly, he received a new blessing. Jacob all this time, he'd been running with borrowed blessing. Basically, he had managed to trick his father into pronouncing his brother Esau's blessing over him. And when you read the story with all the intricacies, it's interesting how mom started it. So mom eavesdropped on this conversation between dad and older brother. And she calls Jacob in and says, look, this is what your dad is planning. But actually, go get me some goats in the yard. Bring them to me. I will prepare them just as your dad likes it. And then you can take it in so daddy will bless you. Interesting mom. I thought about it for the long time. I don't think I fully understood why she did that. But even the bit that shocked me was when Jacob went into his father, obviously clothed and, you know, goat skin and all that. Dad says, who are you? He says, the, the, the voice is like that of Jacob. 
but your arms and your neck very much like that of Esau. Before that, that turns around obviously he's blind. He says, that's actually, you've, you've, come, you've come back real fast. How did you do that? You know what Jacob said? He said, the Lord your God gave me success. Ah, dear. No, Lord, the Lord your God did not give you, you, you cheated your way in there. And for all his life, he'd been running with borrowed blessing. The Bible says in this encounter with the man, the man blessed him. It was a new blessing. It was a blessing for Jacob. For those of us in Christ, all the promises of God are yes and they find their amen in Christ. And so because we are heirs of the promise, all the promises of God become ours in Christ Jesus. How exciting is that? Children of God have a new promise in Christ Jesus. I feel that every now and then you should just take your Bible, open up some of the promises, and see what God says in there. All those promises are for you, they are for you, and they are for you. They are for us if we are indeed in Christ Jesus. Number three, the Bible says to us, he had a new way of walking, literally. So a new name, a new blessing, and a new way of walking. If you saw Jacob, you would notice that something had changed about the way he walked. This is what the Bible says to us in Colossians. It says to us in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Remain in Christ. Remain in Christ. Continue to walk in him. What is our walk? Well, it's a walk of obedience. It's, it's a walk of close fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a walk of learning and, and getting to know his ways. It's a walk that says, I am going to be ruthless when it comes to sin in my life. It's a walk that says, I will not tolerate sin in my life. As we sang this morning about the fact that we no longer carry that baggage, I was just thinking about the things that Jesus saved me from. And I just stood there and said, Lord, thank you. But he does that. And he doesn't want us going back there again. It's a walk of saying no to sin and yes to righteousness. It's a walk that says, I, I, will, I will live for you. It's a walk that says, when it comes to sin, I will not tolerate it. If I am at the minute... I want to ask for help, to fight it, to push it out. Because as children of God, we are no longer under the power of sin. The power of sin has been broken over our lives. And so when we sin, it's because we want to. It's not because we don't have a choice. It's because we want to. But he says he's called us to holiness. So we are ruthless when it comes to sin. We don't give into it. No, it's not easy. And I'm not going to pretend 
It is. That's why we need the help of the Holy Spirit. So th- this is one of the things that the Holy Spirit does when he comes. He gives us power to say no to sin. So when we are asking, fill me, Holy Spirit, basically you're saying, I am opening myself up for you to come and equip me to effectively continue to fight this battle against sin. And sometimes it could be the smallest of things. One many years back, I remember, I'll never forget this example. Open the fridge. I was sharing a house with some of my friends. Somebody had given us a box of sweets. It was in the fridge. I opened the fridge. Put my hand in. Instead of picking one, I picked about six. I was going to hide them in my room. I felt the Holy Spirit say, put them back. It could be something as small as that. It was greed. They had given us sweets for all the guys in the house to share. I dipped in and I think one about six or eight of them. So I could have. It just, no, no, put that back. It's challenging. There's nobody that could have to ask, all right, there you go. Put them back. And that's what he comes to do in us. He comes to help us because on our own we can't do it. Recently, my wife and I had an argument. I'm sure some are going to think, oh, do they have arguments? Oh, of course we do every day. We really do. And I remember standing in the kitchen and thinking, no, I'm not, I'm not going to apologize. No, I'm, I'm not, I'm not. My wife is sitting down quietly in the, in the, in the, in the front room. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm not. I'm being very honest. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing it. Holy Spirit says, no, go, go and apologize. No, I'm not, I'm not. It's her fault. No, she, if she makes a move. <clears throat> I, and oftentimes I'll give my wife the silent treatment. I don't say a word. It's not very nice. I'm, I'm being very vulnerable this morning, but also being very honest. She doesn't like it. I felt God challenge me. Go and say sorry. Pride. No, no, I won't. No, I won't do it. Finally came into the lounge, and then I went back into the kitchen again. I think I probably started doing the washing up or something. No, I just go and say. And I'm sharing because there is so much power in just responding to the Holy Spirit. Finally, we got ourselves to Holy Spirit. Please help me. Because you left to me and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing it. Finally, I went in and I said, look, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have spoken to you that way. I know it hurt you. I'm really, I'm really sorry. Really sorry. <laughs> Immediately, my wife looks at me and she says, that's all right. I'm also very sorry. Boom, it's done. For the rest of the day, we're sitting there chatting as though nothing had happened. If we're willing to respond to him, he will help us. He will help us build right. You see, on our own, we we cannot do it. But if we ask him for help, he will come and help us. I'll share another story. Shortly after we were married, I just was so, I didn't think I could be a good dad. And so, just the whole idea of having kids was quite a, it was quite foreign. I thought, I, I can't do this. And it was always in my mind. And then we had a, well, at the time, what we called in City of God Church in Accra, some kind of mini revival. And I think for me, one of the significant things God did in my heart was to give me faith for children. And the fact God basically said, I will, I will help you take care of them. That's all God said. That's all he did in me. It was just down to me. I didn't think I could do it. 
I'd like to invite the band up, please. So church, God wants us to know today, we have a new name. That's our identity in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> He's giving us a new blessing. All the promises in his word are ours in Christ Jesus. He's giving us a new way of walking like Jacob. It's a walk of close fellowship with him. It's a walk of obedience. It's a walk of learning to hear his voice. And a walk of just complete yielding to him. I'd like to pray for us. Father, thank you that you're here and you're working. I want to pray particularly for those who may be struggling with fear of any kind, like Jacob was so afraid and had lived with that many, many, many years. I pray today they would know that you're able to set them free. And even as we declare truths about our identity and who we are in you, may we engage with truth. May we allow truth to change us and shape us. Father, as we worship now, I pray that you would come and begin to work in us. Would you place your finger on this one and that? May we know that this is the finger of God at work. And Lord, I ask that we would respond as you want us to. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. I think we're going to stand together and the guys are going to lead us in a, in a song. God bless you, church.